1: It turns out that family doctors are among the legion of small business people facing ruin because of the pandemic. The Ontario Medical Association says almost half of primary care workers in Ontario are at risk of having to close their practices because doctors are unable to pay expenses. The pandemic has forced many doctors to turn to virtual health care as a means of continuing to deliver their services. And while the province has added new billing codes, a allowing them, to be paid for this. They won't be able to get the money until June or July. Now, uh, while the doctors are eligible for loans, they say they won't be able to make up the revenue they are losing now. If you have a comment on this, 416-360-0740, toll free one 866 740 740 Now let's go to Dr. Sohail Gandhi, president of the Ontario Medical Association and Dr. Neil Maharaj, a pulmonologist who practices Practices in Niagara Falls. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us.
2: Well, thanks for having
1: us. Thanks for having me on. Let's start with Dr. Maharaj. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your situation in terms of your clinic? Uh, how big is it usually? What's What's happening there now?
3: Sure. Um I'm a pulmonologist or a respirologist, a lung specialist, and both family doctors and specialists are affected uh by the lack of payment. So we um I'm one of two respirologists in our region, um, and we uh unfortunately when COVID uh struck, we had to make some pretty abrupt changes to our practice as as many doctors. Um, in addition to our clinic, we have a, a breathing laboratory where we assess patients and so on. I had plans of hiring uh, another employee, which actually I offered a position, but that had to be put on hold, and I've also had to unfortunately lay off a very valuable employee uh, to our clinic uh, because we just don't have the volumes. The remaining two employees that we have in our clinic have, are now on reduced hours um, just because, again, the volume of patients has dramatically uh, dropped. Uh, I've been providing virtual uh, care visits uh, both uh, in in hospital and in my clinic, Um, but uh, the crunch financially is really starting to to show. Again, um, many physicians, specialists, and family doctors have significant overhead costs we have equipment so there's leases associated with that Uh, there's uh, payroll for employees and so all of this is getting affected and it's really it's it's very troublesome
1: so you're seeing people virtually are you seeing uh, do you have any in-person visits
3: I have uh, very rare in-person visits uh, for a variety of reasons. Some, some patients, because uh, of the nature of their respiratory disease, are quite complicated. And, it, it, you know, the, the, the virtual visit can only go so far. So those are the few patients that I see. Or if there's an examination that's, that's, uh, that's required, then I, then I do do those in-person visits. I, I do obviously do in-person assessments when I'm on call at the hospital for, uh, for our respirology service. Uh, but those are far and few between. Uh,
1: Dr. Gandhi, so finally, I guess, the government came up with a billing code for virtual visits, but now you're learning that uh, the computers won't be updated till June or July.
2: Yeah, so we made an agreement with the government in good faith on March 14th, and we recognized the need for our Physicians to practice physical distancing, particularly in our own offices, where we have a large number of very sick and oftentimes elderly uh, people who are at the highest risk for infection with COVID-19. And so, in good faith, we made the agreement with the Ministry of Health on March 14th and said, "Okay, we'll transform our practices to a virtual environment as much as possible." As Dr. Maraz pointed out, there's occasional patients that you still have to see in patients, but we'll do the best we can and you know overnight it was like a switch being thrown across the provinces where family physicians offices specialist offices all very very quickly adapted to this new model that we had an agreement for and made the changes that were necessary and the changes that we're starting to see actually you know this a glimmer of hope now all of this stuff that we've done seems to be flattening the curve it's too early to to stop all the treatment all the physical distancing just yet but it seems to be working so we did all the right things but then to be told by the bureaucrats that, oh, by the way, uh, we can't program the computers in time because, you know, they're really old and it takes a long time to program them. So you might not get paid until June or July. Well, well that's just a failure of the bureaucracy. Uh, the, the bureaucrats have really let uh, the physicians down. They've let the health minister down. I mean, I, I'll be candid. I, I rather like uh, Christine Elliott. I think she's doing a very good job overall. She's probably the best health minister we've had since Elizabeth Whitmer. But her, her bureaucrats have really let her down, and they've left uh, let the physicians of the province down by not being on the ball.
1: Well, it's if if the issue is the computers, and uh, going back, it's it's uh, however many successive governments and uh, the liberals were in power for a very long time that didn't update their computers. I mean. Uh, yeah if the computers are old and they can't get it done on those things, uh, y- you know, it's, it's, um, it's the computers that haven't been updated or replaced, right?
2: Yeah, and it's it's just mind-boggling to me because this is something we've been expressing uh, concerns about for a number of years with uh, with the bureaucracy. But uh, you know, for whatever reason, there seems to be no desire to to change out of what is really what's called a legacy system, an old, outdated, and uh, frankly, useless system.
1: Well, uh, it's, uh, there's, a, I'm sure, a very big money pit involved there. Uh, Dr. Maharaj, I'm looking at some of the uh, supports offered to all small business. So there's that $40,000 interest-free loan. Is Is that any kind of solution for you?
3: So I, I've I have applied for that. I'm I'm waiting to hear back in terms of approval or not. That that is that is certainly a help. Um, and we are looking at some of the other programs, um, but uh, you know we really do need a, a significant amount of help in, in addition to that, um, because the turnaround times for these approvals to take some time. And in the interim, we're still incurring ongoing costs. You know. It, the uh, the failure on, on the part of the government to not uh, reward these payments in a timely fashion really is putting a financial crutch. So we're hopeful that, uh, at least for the time being, that at least the uh, government uh, loan incentive does come through. Um, but we're still waiting. I apply, and Our office at Clinic applied, applied last week, so I don't have any answers on whether I've been approved or not. Many of our colleagues... Uh, have informed me that some of them, for some of the programs, they're not eligible. Uh, I'm, and so that's that's also a concerning uh, issue for many of my colleagues.
1: Are you talking about the wage subsidy, Dr. Gandhi? Is that something that your members can avail themselves of, or is it not? No,
2: they, they can't really. Uh, most of our members will not be able to avail themselves of that. Uh, Why? There are some complex tax logistics when you're the owner of a small business that okay. prevents you from availing yourself of things like that and the reality is that most medical clinics, well actually all medical clinics are really, uh, really are, uh, small businesses. And it's also problematic because we have a number of clinics that provide a, a really high level of service to the patients of Ontario. <clears throat> excuse me uh, if you look at outpatient x-ray clinics or ultrasound clinics where these tests are done outside of a hospital so they keep people from going to an already overcrowded hospital uh, they have equipment that's in the millions of dollars and the leases on those equipment uh, is can be astronomical uh, so we we really need to look at some form of struct of Payment that stabilizes the healthcare infrastructure in those clinics as well, and, and the reality is the federal programs are not designed for those type of businesses. Uh,
1: what about? Uh, uh- Have your landlords and also, I mean, you know, the the companies that lease the medical equipment, I mean, surely, you know, I guess they need money too, but they understand that all of their customers are in that boat. Um, Is negotiation, you know, feasible with them or working?
2: Yeah, so there's some of that going on on an individual basis for sure. I I don't doubt that at all. The reality, however, is that the biggest single uh, expense in any physician's office is nine times out of 10 is going to be staffing. It's certainly the biggest single expense that I've got in my clinic. Uh, I've had to lay off a receptionist and reduce nursing hours by 25% and reduce uh, administrative hours by another 25%. And that's because that's where our biggest single expense is and that's the way it is for most uh, most physicians. And And that's why, unfortunately, 49% of physicians at this point in time are considering closing their clinics because it's actually cheaper just to pay the rent and the lease and not pay any staff for a couple, three months until uh, this mess gets sorted out. And that would be a disaster, by the way, for healthcare because that means patients aren't getting the care that they need.
1: Uh, so that means no virtual care for the patients.
2: And that means nothing if the clinics close down. Um, that means no diagnostic tests. That means no ultrasounds. means no x-rays. It means all of the stuff that got put on hold uh, because of COVID-19 is only going to be delayed that much more.
1: Uh, um, w- the one thing I do see, frankly, as a silver lining in this, and you and I have talked about this before, uh, is that uh, you know I know you've said privacy is is one of the main reasons that that uh, doctors often don't want to communicate virtually by email or whatever. So it, it looks like uh, I, I always have thought that the lack of billing for it was a main reason, and this this will accelerate those technological advances uh, that will, you know, in normal times take pressure off the health system.
2: Well, well, I hope so, and I hope there's some benefit that way. There has to be some benefit out of this mess, so uh, if that's one of them, uh, I, I hope that comes to pass.
1: Okay, so it, what are you looking for from the government now? Some kind of uh, emergency payment for doctors to cover this stuff, uh, given that they, they can't make their ancient computers go any faster? Well,
2: you know, if you look at a province like Newfoundland or Quebec or Saskatchewan uh, and Nova Scotia, all of these provinces have come up with uh, fair solutions. So uh, I'll use the Newfoundland one just because it's it's simple. Uh, the government has said, okay, we'll get, so long as you keep your practices open and don't lay off anyone, you know, so there is a requirement on the part of the physicians, uh, we'll guarantee you 80% of your average monthly billings uh, for the next couple or three months. And if there happens to be an outbreak somewhere of COVID-19, you have to go and help right? So no one's making extra money off this. No one is, uh, you know, no one is is trying to to make a profit on this. No one's going to take the money and shut their clinics down anyway and sit sit at home and make money, right? It's a fair solution where the overheads, that are really important. The staff gets paid, my nurses get paid, the receptionist gets paid, the equipment gets paid, and the clinics stay open to help serve the needs of the healthcare, uh, the healthcare needs of Ontarians.
1: And does that get reconciled afterwards or not? Uh, You get it whether you you, you actually do 80% of your work or not?
2: Uh, no, it, you get it uh, regardless because again, you need to cover off the cost of all the overhead.
1: And are you in negotiations to get something like this?
2: Well, we're trying, but uh, again, I, I think the bureaucracy has really failed on this one. I, uh, you know, I do believe the minister is getting some very bad advice from her, uh, from her uh, bureaucrats, and what they've suggested is that it's feasible to give what's called an advance payment, which is essentially a loan against your future income, but that means essentially that you are looking at increasing the capacity of the healthcare system down the road which which can't happen in our, our circumstance so if you have say an orthopedic surgeon who replaces 10 knees a month um and is replacing zero knees in April and May because of course it's considered not emergency surgery the thought from the bureaucrats is well that's okay and in September October when things go back to normal that orthopedic surgeon will just do 20 a month to make up for it and, and that's ridiculous. I mean, that shows a complete lack of understanding of how stressed the healthcare system was to begin at the best of times, because there's no capacity to increase more surgeries unless you increase the number of operating rooms, the op- number of operating room nurses, uh, that sort of thing, right? And so their solution is, well, you'll just double your workload in September, October. It's just not going to happen.
1: Okay. Uh, Dr. Maharaj, anything you'd like to leave us with?
3: No, I mean, I would like to echo uh, some of the comments that Dr. Gandhi has mentioned. I think, um, you know, to uh, the income stabilization as, as the government has framed it uh, in the form of uh, a loan really is quite problematic for all the reasons it mentioned. You know, many of uh, my patients, for example, are elderly with complex needs. I, uh, You know, they require time and care, and to try and ramp that up, so to speak, in the eyes of a, of a bureaucrat is just, again, uh, reflective of a complete lack of understanding. I really am hopeful that the government will uh, correct course on this, uh, thousands and thousands thousands of Ontario's patients are, are, are at risk for this uh, and I, I know doctors, my colleagues, um, we're working as hard as we can uh, in light of these financial constraints, in light of our own personal health constraints too. We're dealing with issues around PPE shortages and so it's it's a very, very stressful time for us in trying to make sure that nothing gets uh, missed for our patients. So I'm optimistic and, I, and uh, I'm hopeful but uh, something really has to change quickly.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, Well, uh, keep us updated and uh, uh, good luck to you. Uh, Thank you very much for being with us, Dr. Neil Maharaj and Dr. Sohail Gandhi. Thanks very much.
0: Thank you, Liz. Thanks for having us on. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.